0: Who wants to talk sports? We do. From our Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center studios in San Diego, it's time for our Thursday podcast. It's Hacksaw's Headlines. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my co host, the Reverend John Riley. We welcome you to our Thursday podcast as we get ready to kick off what's going to be a great sports weekend, and an absolute ton of topics are on the table. Our Thursday podcast brought to you by our friends at Dixie Line Lumber. home center stores nine locations in san diego to serve you want to build it want to fix it you will enjoy it this fall because of dixie line lumber John, welcome to Thursday. We got good stories, bad stories, controversial stories, and a ton of diverse stories to talk about.
1: Yeah, I mean, I saw Hacksaw's headlines and we printed it out here, and there's a ton here. (laughs) So, I mean, baseball, playoffs, NFL, college football, right down the list. Wow.
0: Before we get started, explain to everybody that joins us right out of the gate on our live stream about Fans Form and about subscribing. So they'll get the alerts every time we put something up on our YouTube channel,
1: which is virtually every day of the week. OK, so you can get involved in Fans Forum. And it's kind of funny. We had to even launch the live stream. We already got four questions from 4XLA on the uh, Fans Forum. You know, So if you've got questions or comments for Hacksaw, just type them in the live chat on Facebook or on YouTube, and we'll see them here on our screen. We'll get you involved in Fans Forum at the conclusion of Hacksaw's headlines. You know, it's a podcast, so you can subscribe wherever you get your pod podcasts. But you know, we do it on video too, so it's on YouTube and Facebook, so subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Be sure to like, follow, share and subscribe Lee Hacksaw Hamilton on virtually every social media platform. And give John a thumbs
0: up and I'll take a five-star rating <laughs> if you wish. And by the way, if you like sports, you need to check my website. See that address at the top, leehacksawhamilton.com. I write on it every day of the week. I guarantee you if you read what I write, You'll be the second smartest guy reading my website aside from the guy that created it. John, (laughs) let's start baseball.
1: Okay. uh, The Dodgers get smoked by the Diamondbacks. There is so much like, you know, bullets firing in social media between Padre fans and Dodger fans right now. Okay,
0: If you're a baseball fan, (laughs) I will give you some opinions. John will respond. You need to join us in the chat room and answer the question I'll pose right at the end of this Dodgers segment. Baseball playoffs are upside down. Nobody could have projected what is happening in Major League Baseball right now. First with the wild card round and all those marquee teams got taken out. Then what happened to the 100-win teams here in the second round? The Dodgers get nailed. Hard to believe. (laughs) Atlanta fighting for its life. That's even harder to believe. And so many others are gone. Complete Collapse by the Dodgers. The Diamondbacks swept them. Home runs in every game. Dodger starters, unbelievable line. Four innings, thirteen runs, sixteen hits allowed by the three Dodger starters in that playoff series. Equally stunning. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman must have left their bats in Los Angeles. <laughs> those three guys, those two guys went one for twenty-one at home plate. J.D. Martinez who hit a ton of home runs during the pennant race, hit 200. Max Muncy hit 190. Lance Lynn, four home runs allowed in a six-batter span in the third inning of that game (laughs) on Wednesday night. He finishes the season, and he has finished, 48 home runs allowed. Bobby Miller had stage fright, could not locate home plate. I thought that manager Dave Roberts just made a bunch of different mistakes that we're going to get to. They sank, I really think, under the weight of the whole Julio Urea situation. The injuries to May, Bueller, and Gonsolin, they just flat ran out of pitchers. Uh, At the end of the day, you have to view this as an unmitigated Dave Roberts-led Failure. You know, for all the great years that Dave Roberts has had in the Dodger dugout and this record 748 career wins, highest winning percentage in Dodger history that includes Tommy Lasorda and Smokey Alston, they have really faltered in postseason. I counted this is the fourth postseason that Dave Roberts has managed in which I think he's made mistakes, handling, mishandling, pitching, who got the start. Should they have pitched at home versus on the road? Did you leave them in too long? If they're scuffling, why don't you just make it a bullpen day? This is the fourth time in a decade plus that I don't think Dave Roberts has done a good job. You know, 111 wins a year ago, and they lost to the Padres. 100 wins this season, and they lose to Arizona. And you know, as as mystical as his record is as a Dodgers manager in season, <laughs> His postseason record is 45 and 39. It's just a shade over 500 with all the talent that they win with and all those division titles that they've won with at Dodger Stadium. I thought he mishandled the pitching staff multiple times. You recall the Max Scherzer year. You recall the bullpen being overworked. You recall Clayton Kershaw being asked to come out of the bullpen in between starts. But Bob Costas just bashed uh, the Dodger leadership. The big picture, yeah, that's great, what you do from April through the end of September. But the overall picture, the postseason record picture, is really, really important. So now the Dodgers have an offseason to evaluate that manager and whether or not he's doing the right thing at the most important time of the season, the end of the season, in October. Offseason, hold your breath. Will it be Otani as a Christmas gift to Dodger fans? off-season, stay the course, don't make any radical changes because you can get all those injured pitchers coming off surgery back. So at the end of the day, here's my question. As good as Dave Roberts has been, a Dodger fan, join us in fans' forum. Do you think they need to evaluate this manager? Have they gone as far as they can go with this manager and the success in the regular season that's turned into failure in the postseason? John, your turn to stand up and shout.
1: <laughs> it's just classic choke job by the, by the LA Dodgers again. And it's inexplicable. And you know, we, we're praising the organization for their consistency in winning uh, division titles. But yeah, I mean, with the exception of, What, the the short season? World Series. World Series. And then the asterisk of of the one against the Cheaters in 2017, they generally come up short. And I I can't explain it. Now, the fans, apparently, they've been calling for Dave Roberts' head now. for This has been going on for a number of years, specifically specifically about mishandling the pitching staff. So, I mean, what did you see that really kind of rubbed you the wrong way?
0: I wouldn't say rubbed me the wrong way. I just did not understand... Uh, The ideology, you got Lance Lynn, who came from the White Sox, dragged a terrible home run record with him. Lance Lynn had pitched well at Dodger Stadium. Kershaw, for whatever reason, imploded game one. Should you have gone to Lance Lynn, because he pitched well at Dodger Stadium, to try to get the series even and make it 1-1 before you go on the road? They didn't. They went to Bobby Miller, who's had a lot of really good starts, home and road. And I thought Bobby Miller just was overwhelmed. I thought he was freaked out. I, I thought maybe he was trying to throw too hard. He had no location at all. And it was just, it was miserable to see. He's going to be a, he's a really good major league pitcher and a young arm. But if they've gone to Lance Lynn, where he pitched well in a comfort zone at Chavez Ravine, and even the Series won one that changes the scope of a bunch of things. And instead, Bobby Miller can't get out of the second inning, and now you're down 0-2. And now you got Lance Lynn going on the road. And I know he's 100 years old, and he's got <laughs> an amazing durability, but he gives up home runs. And now he's there giving up bombs four and in one inning, four and in a six batter span. I've watched baseball a long time. I've never, ever seen that. So I— this comes on top of the Kershaw handling a year ago, comes on top of the Scherzer situation a couple years back, comes on top of the misuse, overuse of the bullpen five years ago. So I'm asking a question. Do the Dodgers executives need to evaluate whether they've gone as far as they can with this guy as manager.
1: Well, you, you said that he has a better winning percentage than Walter Alston, than Tommy Lasorda. Exactly. So it'd be uh, unbelievable to fire the guy. I mean, he's like maybe the Ma- Marty Schottenheimer of baseball, where he does great in the regular season. But even if the, he had gotten the pitching dialed in just right, let's say he was a pitching guru and made all the right choices, if Mookie and Freddie aren't hitting, it don't matter. You know, I mean, they, they wouldn't have scored any runs uh, to make it a, a, a realistic series.
0: I guess the thing that shocks me about the top of the batting order? I mean, this is not their first dance in postseason. And those guys just could not handle breaking balls, were swinging a junk outside the strike zone. And these are your two marquee superstars as if this was their first time in the bright lights and they were <laughs> intimidated. I mean, I was flat out shocked uh, at the end result. Okay, we go from that to the other National League series. Phillies, home run derby. Holy cow. Who are you going to pitch around in the Philadelphia batting order? Doesn't matter, because somebody else will hit it out. Bryce Harper, what a gamer. Wow. Castellanos, couple more bombs. Riamuto puts the ball in play. And the Braves have just kind of wilted. And I think this is a wear and tear factor. Max Fried had a phenomenal first two-thirds of the season. Then he had blisters, and he's not been right. He's been on and off the disabled list. They don't have Mike Soroka. Um, he's undergone surgery. Charlie Morton's not there now. Uh, Spence Strider can't pitch every start, and he's going to come back and try to extend their season now. Uh, and the Braves' bats have kind of gone a little bit silent, too, which is stunning because the back half of this past season, man, they were just clubbing people. Uh, there's something about Philadelphia's personality. It's like they're on a mission. I mean, they, they grind They got dirt on the front of their uniforms. Uh, They scowl. (laughs) They play all types of baseball, station to station or bang it off the walls. There's just something about the personality of the Philadelphia Phillies that say, yeah, that's what a winner looks like. (laughs) Uh, The Phillies and Bryce Harper, excuse me, off topic, Phillies and Bryce Harper are everything that the Padres and Manny Machado Or not.
1: Yeah. So
0: your response, what
1: Philadelphia has done to Atlanta so far. Well, did you see the press conference where Bryce Harper was saying, man, I love Philadelphia. I love my guys. And it was all this positive vibes, all these positive energies that we never saw from the Padres. Um, but yeah, you know the Phillies got off to a slow start, just like San Diego did. But then they turned it around; they figured it out. And all season long, Atlanta had been just world beaters. I thought Atlanta was going to roll through here. Now Atlanta still has a chance; they got to win the last two, and they've got their two best pitchers going, right? Isn't it Freed and and uh, Strider going to pitch? Strider's
0: his- pitching Thursday night.
1: Okay. All right. So, you know, they got a shot. But, you know, because Acuna is just so terrific. And little Ozzy Albies, that dude can slam the ball. But, um, yeah, I'm surprised as well. I mean, it seems like the Phillies were hot last year. They're hot again this year. And if they get the D-backs on the other side of this in the NLCS, the Phillies could be in the World Series the second year in a row. Snap your
0: fingers. That thing could be over real quick. Yeah. Because that's Philadelphia. That is Citizens Bank ball yard. Uh, which is a band box, so (laughs) really, really interesting. That's the National League. Again, fans forum boxes open. Chat room, tell us your reaction to the Dodgers, Dave Roberts. Hold him to blame?
1: Go further with him? Or the Dodgers need to evaluate the guy? Let's talk about the American League. Okay, so we talk a little bit here about the Astros, the Cheaters, and it looks like they're going to go up against our old friend, Bruce Bochy. Battle of Texas, Lone
0: Star State Showdown. Uh, Astros, Rangers, big bats made the whole difference. Uh, Texas's big bats, big payroll, bomb Baltimore. Hundred win Orioles season with all those kids. Lights were too bright for Baltimore. They were never ever in this series. Their lineup disappeared. And their young kids got tattooed. Texas is just a complete ball club. They crushed the Orioles' young pitching. And Houston, what what they did to Minnesota. Postseason experience. Look at the lineup. Altuve, Bregman, Alvarez, the old guy, Jose Abreu. I mean, it's a lot of vested veterans with lots of playoff experience, lots of success. So Houston walks all over Minnesota as Texas took out Baltimore really quick. Side note, I saw something last night I was not aware had been made. It's it's a PBS documentary. Mm Mm-hmm about the Houston Astros really? and cheating in 2017, and the front office executives all got fired. PBS Frontline, just go to the website, punch it up, Houston Astros. I think it's something along the lines of on-the-edge Astros baseball. It was <laughs> it was an hour-long documentary on the Frontline program. It was really well done. Your response to the Rangers in Houston, the Battle of Lone Star State coming up? Well, I was kind of—
1: you know, hoping those young kids in Baltimore were going to do something. It's like they definitely flamed out. But Bochi, man, that dude is like, got the Midas touch, you know? And he he won in San Francisco when they weren't expected to win. He's doing the same thing in Texas. And we were suspicious about Texas because of the injuries to Seeger and, and a lot of those frontline pitchers. Well,
0: Scherzer and DeGrom, yeah. most notably.
1: And yet they advance. The Astros, I mean, I, I want them to lose so bad. <laughs> I mean, who's still left from that? 2017 team. I know it's it's Altuve and Bregman. There's got to be a few others. That think, are,
0: wasn't Verlander part of that escapade? He might have been. Yeah. But there are not very many of them left.
1: But, the, but Altuve was the one that supposedly had the, Mike, the, the or, vibrator yeah. mic thing on his chest and and uh, Bregman, he's a he's a pretty savvy guy, you know, so he, it wouldn't surprise me that those guys were part of the cheating scandal, yet they didn't get penalized, The, the but their front office all got shut down. you got to so,
0: go to find the PBS Frontline documentary. It's really well done, and it interviews a couple of the people who got caught and got disciplined. So a bunch of people refused to participate, but it, it's one of the best.
1: Did they get the trash can guy? Banged on the show no, but can. they got the audio guy
0: <laughs> who uh, installed TV monitors and all that. Uh, and now he's found his religion, and I was wrong, and he's gone to confession. <laughs> and But it was it, it's a really
1: well-done documentary. That sounds good.
0: Okay. Uh, we go from Major League Baseball. Oh, we got a weekend ahead of us in football.
1: Yeah, this is going to be great. You're the quarterback in the Pac-12,
0: Rightly Farewell tour in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. I mean, this has been pretty interesting to see what this last go-round before they break up the Pac-12 conference. And now we're coming down to this. Oregon-Washington shootout Saturday. That's Bo Nix, Heisman Trophy quarterback, transfer from Auburn. Michael Penix, Heisman Trophy quarterback, transferred from Indiana. They're going to go against each other on Saturday. Uh, one team, Oregon, is averaging 557 yards a game on offense. Wow. Amazing. No, it's not amazing. Washington is averaging 569 yards per game. Awesome. That is unbelievable. <laughs> Bo Nix, 1,459 yards, 15 touchdowns, one interception. Michael Penix, the Big Ten transfer, 2,000 yards passing, 16 touchdowns, and only two picks. It's going to be fun to watch the right hander and the left hander go up and down the field. Can anybody make a defensive stop? in this game on Saturday, or will it be last guy touches the football probably wins? The, this is a real spectacular game.
1: Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it as well. And it's funny when you look at it on the screen, Nicks and pennix you know, it's just kind of an alliteration thing. But, I, you know, all the focus I think is going to be on Bo Nix. I and mean, he's definitely the more of the marquee guy. But Michael Penix. I mean, that guy is an athlete, and I saw him on TV playing when he was at Indiana. He was and a he,
0: sophomore, and he was running all over the field, making plays.
1: Yeah, he was. He was tremendous. So, um, I, I don't know is this game going to be in Washington or in Eugene, Seattle. in Seattle? So, okay, I got. I'm going to take Penix on this one. I, I think they're going to win it.
0: Okay, if you're a Pac-12 college football fan. Farewell tour for all these schools. You agree with me? Look at all these schools in the conference. Truly the year of the quarterback. What do you think happens? Oregon versus Washington. Now, let's go to the other big college football game. And this got all kinds of implications
1: as it relates to the postseason. Well, didn't this game used to always be at the very end of November? And yeah. they moved it up into October, right? Well, because Notre Dame has got
0: this linkage now to the Atlantic Coast Conference. Mm-hmm. A lot of the, their games, quote ACC schedule games, are towards the latter part of the season. This game's got huge implications. Yes, USC is unbeaten. Yes, USC has a phenomenal college offense, but they don't play enough defense, and I think they, they're going to get derailed. It's critical in South Bend because the Irish have lost twice already in a shocker. You know, they lost in the final second to Ohio State Mm -hmm. in a classic game. And then they got whacked by Louisville, of all people. Louisville's (laughs) having a really good season. Caleb Williams, 1,822 yards, 22 touchdowns, one pick. Huge question. Can his offensive line protect him? He was running for his life in the triple overtime win over Arizona last week. USC coulda, shoulda, might have lost that game. Irish they They got a defense that's really good. They're only giving up 279 yards per game. Irish offense doesn't have a lot of sexy names to it, but they're over 430 yards per game. So you got the Irish defense against the Trojans offense, which I think is going to be a huge challenge. Wildcard card in the whole thing is the quarterback. He's a transfer from Wake Forest. He's a graduate student, Sam Hartman. He makes them dangerous down the field. And USC, I just don't think, plays enough defense. Yeah, they get some pressure and they do get some sacks, but then they give up 20- and 30-yard gains. Uh, Sam Hartman's got 16 touchdowns and only three picks. So this game has huge implications for Southern Cal in terms of trying to stay in the upper echelon of the unbeaten and Notre Dame, which is fighting for its life because if they lose one more... They are dead and gone, thoughts
1: well, even if they've lost already two i mean they're they're going to be out of the national championship race, but if they're out if they lose three, yeah, they're not even in the playoffs at all. Now, the question I have is, can Caleb Williams play strong safety? I mean, can he be a two way player because that defense is atrocious i mean why why can they not stop the other side now, it's
0: obviously system. Uh, they've got a lot of athletes who can run, but they miss tackles. Uh, and the yardage are given up. It's just the chunk yardage plays are unbelievable. And Lincoln Riley holds nobody accountable on his coaching staff that life is fine. I mean, I looked up, and they were down 17-0 to Arizona. I said, you've got to be kidding me. And that's with Arizona's backup quarterback, Noah Fafita. Really? Because, yeah, Jaden DeLoren was hurt. And Fafita got better and better as the game wore on. And Southern Cal fought their way back, and Caleb was running for his life. And he's making plays down the field, running for first downs. He, he, he wasn't in the pocket because he was running away from blitzers the entire afternoon. Southern Cal came back and finally won it in triple overtime. And I, USC fan, Hey, USC fan, on live stream. You believe in your football program right now? Can you believe your coach believes his defensive coordinator Alex Grinch is okay? Somebody jump on that USC chat box and tell us what you've got to say. So we got we got a couple of real marquee games to talk about. Hey, our Thursday podcast is brought to you by the good people at Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. you got projects for the fall or stuff you're planning for the winter. You need to take a stroll through any of the nine stores at Dixon Line Lumber and just see what they've got to offer. On we go, John. Oh, here comes some. Interesting matchups in the NFL.
1: Yeah, so the Chargers. Okay, here we go. They had a bye week, and Dallas has been a disaster the last few weeks. This is going to be an interesting game.
0: Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott. Here comes fireworks for sure. The Bolts, man, they got some big-time stats and have also got some big-time injury issues. They hope to have Austin Eckler back and becoming Austin Eckler of the past, which means run the ball, catch the ball, keep drives going, get some chunk plays. They don't have Corey Lindsley, the center. This is a pretty significant loss here. There's a heart disorder, and I don't know whether it's an arrhythmia, or maybe there was a blockage, or maybe there was an infection. But they don't expect him back for a chunk of time. So that's that's troublesome because they got a journeyman backup uh, as their backup center and Justin Herbert got banged around in that Raider game, wound up fracturing his finger when he caught it on a face mask. Luckily, it's on his non-passing hand. They can tape it, Then uh, he's tough enough. He'll, he'll hang in there. Joey Bosa is not hardly practiced. There's a toe. There's a hamstring injury, and most of the other guys who've been busted up, this bye week probably came at the right time for them. Bolts are averaging 404 yards per game. They're going up and down the field because Justin Herbert makes plays. But their defense gives up yardage, 388 yards per game. The Chargers are 31st in total defense and 32nd in pass defense. (laughs) Chunk plays, we are. Uh, Opposing quarterbacks, when they come to the line of scrimmage against the Chargers, have a quarterback rating of 98. 98. Wow. That's pretty bloody high. Dallas defense is phenomenal. 293 yards per game, 15 sacks, 11 takeaways. Number two. In pass defense. So they're going to give Justin Herbert some real tough looks, and they are very fast on defense. Only thing that works against them right now is they got some people busted up last week. So they're down at least one cornerback. They lost their inside linebacker, uh, Leighton Van der Esch. He's gone on IR with another neck injury. This will be a challenge to see if the backups can come in and can, excuse me, continue to play the level they've played at defensively, but they they are really athletic. I don't know what's going on with Dak Prescott. Um they don't have any down the field plays. Their wide receivers are not producing at all. And of course there is no Emmett Smith, Tony Pollard can run the football, catch the football. It just it seems to be a lesser cowboy offense than we've seen in the last chunk of years. They got C.D. Lamb, and they got Michael Gallup, the kid from Colorado State, and they got the veteran Brandon Cooks. But they're just not hitting big plays down the field. And how about this? I mean, Dallas has now played five games on the season. Dak Prescott has only five touchdown passes, and he's got four interceptions already, a couple of fumbles, and nine sacks. They're just not the same Dallas offensive team. So Justin Herbert versus a really good defense. Who knows who Dak Prescott is? But then again, he's playing a Chargers secondary, which has really been shabby. Response?
1: What do you think Kellen Moore's thinking through this whole thing? I mean, he's the former OC at Dallas. He's got a little inside intelligence on maybe what the Cowboys are going to run,
0: right? Oh, I'm sure he turned over his playbook and all that, although it might be different now with Mike McCarthy. But the reality is were the chunk plays that we thought we were going to get from Kellen Moore linking with Justin Herbert. We have not seen very many of that deep stuff down the field. Keenan Allen's having a phenomenal statistical year. And even with the loss of Mike Williams, it does look as if Josh Palmer is stepping up and is going to be a really good wide receiver in his place. And they keep trying to work the number one pick, Quinton Johnston, in to make some big plays. He has a good catch here and there. Then he drops balls. And not counting on him very much. So, fascinating game and the most important thing on Sunday, somebody could be out of the playoffs by Sunday night. I mean, Dallas is sitting there uh with a couple of losses already and the Chargers are only 2 and 2. So, Keep an eye on this one because somebody's going to get hurt by the time we get to dinner on Sunday night.
1: Are, th- are they playing in L.A. or in Cherry World? So far. So fi in L.A. Okay, this will be an interesting game. You know, there'll be a ton of Cowboy fans oh, there. Oh, think? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, we go from that game. The other big game on the schedule. This is no place for the timid come uh, Sunday.
1: Niners. You know, I remember watching the game last weekend and, and Kittle was saying, oh, yeah, we're going to Cleveland.
0: <laughs> well, this is a complete 49er football team. I mean, they are hot. And they're doing it on offense and they're doing it on defense. And they just beat you up. San Francisco's number three in the NFL offensively, 402 yards per game. Number three defensively, you think you're going to move the ball again against them? Yeah, you think. <laughs> 266 yards per game. That's all they're allowing on defense. Frisco's got 13 sacks, they got 10 takeaways. Christian McCaffrey pushing towards the MVP. Award if he doesn't get hurt. He's already got 678 all purpose yards on the season. Uh, obviously, Brock Purdy is Brock Purdy. He's making plays, he's managing the games, 72% completion percentage for Mr. Irrelevant. Incredible. Nine touchdowns. No interceptions, incredible, and, and that's, I don't even know if that if that's the correct word. Brock Purdy has just been phenomenal. <laughs> Cleveland number one in the NFL in defense, number one in pass defense, number four in run defense. Opposing quarterbacks, Brock Purdy, pay attention are completing only fifty three percent of their passes against San Francisco's defense. And when you got third down at the line of scrimmage, good luck to you. A pony opposing teams are. Completing only 22% of the converting, 22% of third down plays. Cleveland's got a problem. Deshaun Watson is still out with his bruised rotator cuff, not practicing. Now they're going with a refugee from the XFL. P.J. Walker is going to start this week. Last week, they started the UCLA rookie, uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. But he really struggled through three picks, took a pile of sacks, just kind of freaked out. Again, now he understands it. Regular season's a little bit different than preseason when he did <laughs> did really, really well. Cleveland's got a bit of a problem. Miles Garrett's got a bit of a foot issue there. And, of course, there is no Nick Chubb. So, P.J. Walker, XFL, USFL, uh, that's the 49er defense. That's Joey Bosa. They're coming to get you.
1: Yeah, this is going to be a fun game. You know... The, the Niners and the Browns I mean they face off like what at once every 3 years 6 yeah, years you rotate yeah it's pretty rare to see these two teams play each other but you know Brock Purdy is he's turning into like this magical guy like Joe Montana. Exactly. You know he it's like he can do no wrong and who is this guy and he's baby-faced and they interview him on the post game and he always kind of says the right thing and he kind of defers to his elders like George Kittle and the other veterans on the roster. But this team is 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 got the secret sauce and I expect them they're going to roll in Cleveland.
0: We get to halftime our Thursday podcast brought to you by Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. John, if there are projects in your house, where do you go to get the material for di- for the projects you want to complete, whether it's in the family room, whether it's building bookcases, whether it's outdoors patio, something poolside, whether it's got to do with lighting, where does San Diego go? Dixie Line Lumber That's and right. Center Stores.
1: Yeah, Dixie Line. You know, um, like you say, you know, fix it, build it, enjoy it. Um, yeah, great people there. They'll take care of you. And, and, you know, whether you're like working on your outdoor yard or your deck, or you just want to get some new kitchen cabinets, yeah, you know, good people at Dixie Line. They've been in San Diego for over 100 years. Nine locations to serve you. Take a look at this,
0: take a tour of what Dixie Line Lumber has to offer. We start the second half of our podcast again. A reminder coming up right at the end. You're going to take over this podcast with fans forum. John just explained to new people on the live stream
1: how the fans forum works. Okay, so yeah, this is your chance to get involved. We got a bunch of guys stacked up here: SG Sports Talk Channel, Franco, John, Christopher, um, for our XLA. Jeff is in the line, so lots of people have questions and comments for hacksaw. It's your chance to get involved. Just talk Type in your question or comment in the live chat on Facebook or YouTube. We'll get you involved in Fans Forum. And a reminder,
0: you like what we're doing? Share it with your friends. Tell them about our podcast on Thursday, the bonus podcast on Monday. And you're looking for sports information? Hey. This is better than your newspaper. This is more than you'll ever get on TV or from Sports Talk Radio. Sample my website. You won't believe how much information there is. Just type that in, leHacksawhamilton.com. It'll take you there. We're not done talking NFL football as so we start the second half. We've got something different here.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're going to run down a list of some of these quarterbacks, some really interesting stories in the NFL. Okay, these are hot names,
0: and some of these guys are hurt. Uh, we just talked about Brock Purdy. completion rate, nine touchdowns, no interceptions. Nobody is putting it together like Brock Purdy is. Nobody's talking about Jim Garoppolo with the Raiders because the Raiders are up, the Raiders are down. Garoppolo is 42-19 and as a starter in the NFL. I mean, just continues to do well. This year, uh, he's got seven TDs, uh, I'm sorry, he's got seven TDs, seven interceptions, and he's got one fumble. But he is... 42 and 19. This is a mess in New England with Mac Jones. You know, Bill Belichick, his, his season's unraveling. His quarterback, for some reason, is just not dialed into what they're doing with the new coordinator, Bill O'Brien. No offensive touchdowns in the last 42 possessions for the New England Patriots. That's not funny. Come on now. Uh, He's got his quarterback rating is 74. Is right. Brutal. Five touchdowns, eight turnovers, nine sacks, only 32% conversion on third downs for New England's quarterback. And yet Belichick... Gives him a vote of confidence for the third straight week. Young guy, Washington. A kid came out of North Carolina. They've kind of forced him on the field. Sam Howell, he played okay right at the tail end of a lost season last year, but he's getting battered this year. 29 sacks he's already taken in just five games this season. Uh, One of the high draft picks, Anthony Richardson. We talked about his dynamics, his athleticism at Florida. He's gone eight weeks They don't know whether he needs shoulder surgery, but he got flattened. He's got a shoulder joint injury. He's going to miss virtually the entire middle part of the NFL season. He's had three injuries in a six-week span since the start of the NFL season. And as we've talked about, you might run the football. You might look pretty impressive. You're probably going to get hurt. This kind of scares me because this is kind of like Robert Griffin III when he was with the Redskins and Mike Shanahan played him and let him run all over the field and got battered and his career was decimated and he wanted to play two and a half years and that was it. So Anthony Richardson's hurt. Nobody's talking about this guy down in Houston, CJ Stroud. He's completing sixty one percent of his passes. Raw rookie, bad team, seven touchdowns, no picks. Wow. No picks for CJ Stroud. Nice. He's got a quarterback rating of ninety eight. That's Which very is, good. Yeah, it's very impressive. And Bryce Young, he's struggling. Winless Carolina, five touchdowns. He's got seven turnovers. He's taken 12 sacks. This is kind of culture shock for him, John. 77 quarterback rating for the kid who knew anything, nothing except winning when he was at Alabama. So that's a quick look-see as we kind of get to the middle of the schedule about the quarterbacks.
1: Yeah. Isn't, isn't it interesting, though, how the NFL draft is so unpredictable? You know, I mean, you know, here you see the best quarterback in the league was Mr. Irrelevant, taken at the end of the seventh seventh round, right? Yes. Um, OK, and then you got your number one pick, Bryce Young. He's struggling. And then everyone was saying, well, C.J. Stroud, yeah, sure, he's an athletic guy from Ohio State, but they were concerned about his football IQ. And now look at him. No interceptions. And then, I mean, we can go down the list of other top choices of quarterbacks in the first round going back 10, 20 years, like Ryan Leaf, that self-destruct. It's just funny how every once in a while there's some of those late-round picks like Tom Brady, like Brock Purdy, that just really work. It's a long, long season, and, you
0: know, the history is bad teams, top of the draft board, take quarterbacks, then those quarterbacks go through a tough learning curve, and some do well. Bunch of them really struggle, and then the odd occasion a guy gets hurt. So I hope the Anthony Richardson situation settles itself and he can get back on the field. But he's, I think he's going to have to change the way he plays in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. On we go from football. Let's talk television.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is interesting news. I mean, you tweeted about Barry Melrose and the struggles that he's going through.
0: Yeah. You know, Dick Vitale, Mr. Basketball on ESPN. The guy on the other side is Barry Melrose, longtime NHL player. Uh, I first met him in the World Hockey Association when he was playing in Cincinnati, uh, became a rock solid nine, ten year veteran defenseman, became a coach. L.A. Kings, Wayne Gretzky era. They went to the Stanley Cup finals with Barry Melrose, uh, stayed there three years. Uh, like all things, you wound up getting fired, uh, went to TV and became a personality, loves the NHL. Uh, He has just been forced into retirement. He's got significant problems with Parkinson's Ah. at the age of 67. Everybody in hockey is wrapping their arms around Barry Merrill's fun, fun, wisecracking guy, but uh, loved hockey as a player, loved to coach and loved to broadcast. Dick Vitale has, has run a really tough road uphill. He's been fighting throat cancer for three years. And I think all of us in the media who've dealt with him forever and ever just think volumes of of great things about him. He has been such a driving force to raise money for decades for the Jimmy V Foundation. Oh, yeah. He was a close friend to Jim Valvano when Jimmy was at North Carolina State. And when Jimmy passed so suddenly of cancer, Dick Vitale kind of picked up the flag and said, let's start the Jimmy V Foundation. And they've raised so much money for cancer research. But he's been fighting a bitter battle with cancer of the throat and his vocal cords. And he's just gone through a third set of surgical procedures. They don't know if the cancer is gone forever or whether he's in recovery. But everybody that I know, and he does, he tweets a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody that I know is just saying, thumbs up, Dickie V, you represented basketball, you represented the industry so, so well. And I mean his phrases all that stuff with him about aircraft carriers and diaper dandies and prime time baby <laughs> and uh oh, he just he he brought basketball synergy to television.
1: You oh know, yeah I I, th- I think he's one of the guys that helped create what March Madness Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. I mean, these these two guys are legends. I remember, you know, Barry Melrose when he was the head coach of the L.A. Kings. Kings, And I remember he had a big mullet back then (laughs) on TV, too. Yeah. Um, But, you know, this just kind of goes to show you is that you never know. What's going to take you out? You know what I mean. I mean, it, you can get a disease or a health condition in an instant, and the next thing you know, you've got Parkinson's, you've got throat cancer, and you're on the disabled list, and maybe worse. Uh, so yeah, we uh, you know we we, get, we share some love with these guys and hope that they can you know recover if if possible. Great personalities, my goodness! Great personalities on TV.
0: Uh, I, you know, Dick Dick has really made basketball on television. Something you had to watch. Oh, big time. And I think Barry has dragged hockey into the focus with national TV contracts just by his persona. I don't know if you know. Don Cherry from Hockey Night in Canada. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lead color analyst who's Mm -hmm. now retired. But I mean, he made Hockey Night in Canada something special. Barry, without the flaring jackets, (laughs) Barry Melrose did the same thing for the National Hockey League. One other item. And this is this is kind of serious and this is kind of hard to watch. It's been it's really been a bad week. You turn on your TV and I'm a big CNN news fan and I watch MSNBC a great deal. And you see the horrors of what's gone on in Israel and Palestine and Gaza and, and the deaths and, and the, the brutality of Hassa. Um It's impacted athletes. Orioles young pitcher Dean Kramer pitched in the playoff series in which the birds just got knocked out by Texas. His mother, father, and extended family all have ties to Israel. He's got three different families that are stranded in Israel right now. His brother is on the front. He's in the Israeli military. Really, And his kid, Brandon Hyde, the Orioles manager, came to him on the weekend and said, I will understand if you do not want to pitch this week because of what's happening home. He said, give me the ball. He went out and did the best he could. He got rocked. He got knocked out finally in a blowout loss. But... You know, we think about athletes and they make all this money and in the playoffs and they're on TV and their personalities. They got lives. Yeah. And Dean Kramer is dealing with this significant thing. And the other one is the Detroit Lions, a uh, young linebacker, Alex Azalano. His parents were on a tour in Israel. They got stranded. They could not make contact with them up until last night. He finally got a note or I guess a text from a distant family member that his mother and father – Finally got out of the country and were on a flight today, I believe, back home to the United States. They were on a religious tour with priests uh, to different different uh, areas uh, to study Judaism abroad. So we think about athletes and all the things that are going on with games and how we enjoy them. But they're human beings and they got issues too.
1: Yeah. And I mean, we, they, they have struggles, you know, we've talked about those that are going through mental illness crises or they have addiction issues. Um, and yeah, and this is kind of weird when the world of, you know, politics and sports intersect. I, I remember when the Ukraine war began, there were a lot of basketball players that were caught. I think one of them was Winston Shepard third from San yes. Diego State. So these kinds of things happen. And you're right. We think of these athletes, they're either on the field or on the court performing, or they're, you know, at, at some celebrity bar and TMZ is there, or they're in their palatial estate. But yeah, sometimes there's like horror that's going on in their lives and imagine trying to compete on the biggest stage knowing that your parents lives might be in jeopardy i mean it's got to be tough exactly
0: hey listen it's your turn now to take over this segment of our podcast it's called fans forum and of course our thursday podcast brought to you by dixieline lumber and home center stores serving san diego for more than 100 years nine locations to serve you you got projects go take a tour of the dixieline stores they'll be glad to help you John, you got a lot of best friends out there. All these people are messaging us from left field. Yeah, they are. Uh, Okay, go ahead, get started.
1: Okay, so this, let's, let's go with this one with 4RXLA. He says, not a coincidence, Bochy has taken a last-place team to the ALCS, while Roberts is failing worse than Bobby Cox in the playoffs.
0: Well, I do think Dodgers, Dodgers have to evaluate, has this guy taken us as far as they can take us? Uh, there's no doubt that Bochy... Uh, It's just a really good manager. He's a players manager. He's an old school guy. He does obviously take take some of the analytics, but it's his dugout. It's his clubhouse. It's his team on the field. I will say this, Chris Young, the ex-Padre pitcher, who is an Ivy League guy, uh, he spent a lot of money in free agency. I mean, the amount of money they gave Corey Seager, what they did in free agency uh, to get Jacob DeGrom, what they did when they made the trade to get Max Scherzer. I mean, they built this thing to win. They got Nathan Evaldi uh, from Boston. I think the most amazing thing is Texas has had so many pitching injuries, and yet they're there. They're going to the American League Championship Series against the enemy in the Battle of the Lone Star State. So. Boji's an old school baseball guy. He just knows the biz.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a special guy, (coughs) definitely a Hall of Famer. But then, yeah, the Dodgers had their share of serious pitching injuries, and they've circled in the drain here. So this is remarkable to me. Um, But, you know, Dave Roberts, it makes you wonder is he going to get forced out? Because their fans in L.A. have been frustrated with Dave Roberts for many years, and this might be the straw that breaks the camel's back.
0: It's not an isolated incident. That's no. the thing. This is the fourth or fifth postseason where there have been question marks raised about what were you thinking? Why did you do this? How come you could not handle this the situation better?
1: Next question. Okay, moving on down here. Let's get to Sergio. And he says, Uh, Walter Alston won four rings in 23 years. Lasorda, two rings in 20 years. The failure was due to the lineup. I don't think Roberts goes anywhere. Well, you may be true because they
0: gave Dave Roberts a contract extension. And the players have to produce on the field. And this side of the table was not going to boo Clayton Kershaw because he got lit up. That side of the table (laughs) did. Yeah, uh, I thought it was grossly unfair. Dodger fans booing Clayton Kershaw, 210 career wins, It's going to the Baseball Hall of Fame. But at the end of the day, the players have to produce, and in a short series, they did not. And that that to me is really a shocker because I did not think that Arizona had anywhere near enough pitching once you got beyond Zach Allen, mm-hmm. and
1: yet the three D-back starters were dealing. You know, my wife, she'll sometimes go, the Diamondbacks, the Diamondbacks are going to the LCS. I mean, the Padres are better than the Diamondbacks. Well, no, they aren't, but they, it, they, they should be. Um, yeah, this, this whole thing is unbelievable, but just think about next year. The Dodgers are going to have so much pitching with all those injured, you know, veterans coming back, all the kids. I mean, they're going to be in a great spot. But usually there's always some scapegoat, right? There's always someone that kind of— pays the price. Yes. And is it Roberts? Is it Andrew Friedman? Are they going to let go of certain players? I mean, who knows? Is Kershaw done? (laughs) Well,
0: Kershaw will have a tough decision to make. Uh, He made $30 million this season. But he continued to pitch well. He's 13-5 with a 2.46 ERA, so he can still bring it. Mm -hmm. Now, is he a front-of-the-rotation guy? Maybe he's not. But my goodness, they they get all those injured pitchers back who are close to being back on the mound this year. And by the way, we have not touched the other hot-button topic. Another day, we'll do this. Otani and Dodger Blue, that's very much... A possibility,
1: yeah. I mean, imagine him with all that pitching. I mean, Otani can hit the ball. He's not going to go dark in the playoffs like Mookie and Freddie. So that's where we are. There. Let's see what else you got here. Okay, let's uh, let's go here to the uh, SG Sports Talk channel. He says my NLCS prediction is Phillies versus Diamondbacks, and my World Series position prediction is Rangers versus Diamondbacks.
0: Well, oh, Sports Talk! I think you're reaching. You're going to hurt your shoulder doing that. that that's, that's a big reach there. Uh, Texas has got so many bats. Philadelphia has got so many bats, and Philadelphia's got frontline pitching that's really, really good. So I, I think we're looking at a Philadelphia-Texas. World Series. But you can't rule out Houston, because the Astros sure got a lot of bats. Oh, yeah, now, the Astros have been living on a little bit of borrowed time, because I don't think their pitching staff is real. Starting staff is really deep, but they do bang it, too. So, I think I, the battle Lone Star State, I think it's going to be a fun
1: series. Yeah, oh, I agree. And then that Jordan Alvarez, that guy is just crushes the ball. He's incredible. Um, but, you know, yeah, you look at the Diamondbacks, could they make it all the way? I mean, that would be something. I mean, to see them get that far. I mean, there's so many young kids on that team. They're going to be good for a while. That Corbin Carroll is a really great athlete.
0: You know, Christian Walker, those guys started hitting home runs. They said, well, they do it in flurries, and then it disappears, goes away from them. But, you know, the Diamondbacks did get to the World Series. They did win it mm-hmm. way back when. And that's when the ownership paid volumes of money to get the Randy Johnsons of the world and mm-hmm. Luis Gonzalez's of the world. And that was a veteran-driven team. This is a really young team. But again, you're going to Philadelphia and you want to play the Phillies. And <laughs> Bryce Harper and the boys, they come to play every minute of every night. So Arizona might wake up and realize, my goodness, where are we? <laughs> yeah. We might be in a lot of trouble here because Philly can bang it and Philly's got pitchers, they'll throw it. So
1: I mean, on we go. Next question. On we go. Okay, let's go here to Christopher, and he says Washington will win in the battle against Oregon.
0: Uh could be. Uh, Oregon's got more sexy players, more dynamic players, more name players, more five-star players. But Michael Penix just makes so many things happen offensively, run and throw and moving the pocket. I just think he's very, very tough to defend. This will be a great game. And uh, I, I think we talked last week, I was just sick in my heart. Watching games last week and thinking, this is the end of the Pac-12. This is a great farewell tour. This is the year of the quarterback. I said that the first week of September as the season was starting, and it's really panned out. I mean, from from Oregon to Oregon State, Washington to Washington State, the Trojans, the Bruins, and what's going on in Boulder with Neon Dion and that coaching staff and getting those kids ready to play, and they they play really hard. This has this been a fascinating Pac-12 season so far, but I kind of ache it's the last time we're ever going to see this.
1: Yeah, it's sad. And it's all blowing up in our face when it, this should be a glory time for the Pac-12. But it is interesting that Washington is... Is back, you know, and there. when were the days when, remember, they won national championships. Were that in the 90s? Or? John Dreams. Yeah. So it's, it's been a while yep. since we've seen Washington at the highest level. I mean, could you imagine in the final year of the Pac-12 having two Pac-12 teams in the college playoff?
0: Oh, I think it very well could happen now. It's weird because the Pac-12 championship game might involve Oregon-Washington in a rematch. Interesting. Yeah. Because there's no more divisions. It's one lump sum group of teams together and one plays two in the championship game up in Vegas. So keep keep that in mind. We might get a rematch here before we ever get to the college football playoffs.
1: On we go. On we go. Here, let's get John in. And John says, uh, worst nightmare for Preller, Snell and Hayter both sign with the Dodgers. Well, the only question is you got the Otani issue also. And yeah, I don't
0: think the Dodgers are going to go to a $400 million payroll. You know, Dodger payroll is pretty doggone significant right now. Now, if Kershaw retires, that's $31 million, I believe, that comes off the books that you can use towards somebody. But I don't, I don't think those guys are going to wind up at Dodger Stadium. Uh, I hear St. Louis is going to make a run uh, to try to sign three free agent pitchers, because the Cardinals seem to think they have a good, young, everyday team. They just need arms. And I hear they're going to make a run at Blake Snell. And if... St. Louis is willing to meet Scott Boris's dollar figure, then maybe Blake Snell winds up there rather than somewhere else. But uh, I don't think the Dodgers are going to go. Both of them might. Would they make a run at Otani and one Padre? Maybe. But again, the payroll. You know, you don't want to go busting over that luxury tax by a large volume of money. The Mets are out there. You know, and the Mets divested themselves of big money with Verlander and Scherzer. So the Mets... They got space in a checking account to dive back into free agency. I don't know how Snell would do in the glaring spotlight that is New York media. That'd be fascinating mm-hmm. to see. But if anybody's going to overpay, it's probably Mets owner Steve Cohen. And, yeah, that's November 1st. That's Scott Boros calling Steve Cohen at Citi Field in New York.
1: Well, I, I you know, we talked about all the – veteran players coming back from injury with the Dodgers, the pitchers, all the young kids, you wonder, is there any room, you know, for a hater or a Snell on the Dodger roster? There's, you know, people always speculate that Snell is going to go back home to Seattle and sign with the Mariners. I mean, what do you could, think of that? Could
0: well be. Now, does Seattle want to pay $30 million or $25 million for a pitcher? Jerry DiPoto is a very active general manager, but five-year contract, $25 million per season for a pitcher? who's had surgery once already, I don't know that I'd go five. I'd i I'd go three. I might go state-of-the-art money. Hell, if you're going to go state-of-the-art money, keep him in San Diego. Give him three years at 25 mil and just get him back in the rotation. But... Uh, I don't think Boris going to get five years from anybody for any pitcher. Period! Exclamation point. Okay, a couple more here, and then we want to do social media too. Uh,
1: okay, let's uh, let's get Franco in. This is a quick one. He says, "Great hearing you at three p.m. Just like the old six ninety days." You are right. We are bleeping brilliant. And
0: I, hey, you guys on live stream, you owe me. You need to tell all your friends what we're doing on this podcast every th- Monday every thursday and you need to check my website too end of my sales pitch but hey franco thanks
1: for being with us okay let's let's uh get some social media people here involved there's some good ones in here um This is from uh, Jay Nuanez talking about the Dodgers. And he says, same old hacksaw, wrong as always. I love how the Dodgers choke in the playoffs every year. Yet if the Padres won 10 out of 11 division titles and a half ring to show for it, you'd be trash talking them as always. They are not the successful organization you are trying to make them out to be.
0: Now, is he referencing Dodger blue or is he talking about bad baseball brown and fool's gold Padres? (laughs) I think he's talking about blue. Oh, hey, Dodgers. Great records in season, postseason, saddled by an awful lot of disappointments. But all you need to do is look at the fact they draw 4 million fans. They have a history and a legacy and a consistency that goes back a long, long way. So I'm I'm impressed with the Dodgers. I think they're a classy organization. And the Padres, this current ownership is the best we've probably ever had since the days of maybe – John Moores, Larry Lucchino saving baseball for San Diego like Ray Kroc saved baseball for San Diego back then. But there's been no no consistency in terms of being able to win. Hey, I'm entitled my own opinion. You're entitled to disagree, but I'm a talk show host. You don't want to argue with me.
1: <laughs> well, Dave Roberts, do you ever think that maybe he overthinks it? He maybe outsmarts himself with the decision-making in the playoffs? That,
0: that's an ideal question. Uh, I don't know if you, if you asked him, you'd ever get an honest answer. Um, but there's just been so many faux pas with pitchers postseason. <laughs> I mean, if it were an isolated one-time thing, okay. But the fact it's it's kind of impacted five times in the postseason, who you started, who you asked to go into the bullpen between starts, Your overuse of the bullpen, yanking guys early versus leaving Lance in, Lynn in to give up four bombs and six batters. I mean, it's just way too many breakdowns for me.
1: Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, lots of people here are commenting on the Dodgers. Here's one from Bitter Actor. He says, name a team that has devalued the 100-win season more than the Dodgers. Dave Roberts is a quality manager, but his hatred or incompetence with his pitching roster is absolutely criminal.
0: I think that the thing that stuns me is because analytics are very much part of the makeup of the Dodger baseball operation. So I don't. Th- he's not doing these decisions in a vacuum. There's all kinds of input. In their staff meetings of structure, of who's going to throw when and when who's the first one out of the pen and how long do you go? So this is not strictly on Dave Roberts watch, because I think there's there's the Friedman's and all the analytics people of the world that have input as to we think you should consider
1: this. So well, it that think, sounds like the what we've been hearing about with Preller in yep. the dugout, you know, and his analytics guys trying to tell, you know, Melvin what to do. Let's get a few more in here. Uh, How about a James Harden comment? This is from John. He says Harden is not the guy to help you get to the playoffs. He doesn't find roles and he likes his vacations and clubbing too much. (laughs) Trade for a number one pick, no go for me here. Well,
0: the Clippers are trying to find a third team that would be part of the equation to make the deal. Uh, Philadelphia is asking for a Clipper number one pick, they're asking for one of their guards. Uh, Terrence Mann, they're asking for a flip-flop of future number 1 picks where they would would get the higher pick from the Clippers. And they're trying to get a a first-round pick and a couple of expiring contracts from another team. It may be a complex deal. Clippers are trying to find it. Evidently, the Clippers believe that Harden would put them over the top because they got the big two and they got Russell Westbrook who had a big bounce-back season. But man, I think the dynamics of your offense really change because James Harden has to have the ball in his hands all the time. All the time, yeah. So, yeah, so how does that equate with Kawhi and with Paul George? And then how do you mix and match him with Westbrook as first guy off the bench? So, we'll see, but I mean, NBA people that I network with are telling me these talks a bit started up this past week, and they, they think by opening night something's going to happen, which,
1: wow. Well, it would work. James Harden in, in the Clipper uniform would work if we see Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on the bench, you know, injured again, uh, which we don't want to see that, obviously. So he's going to have to accept a different role. But, you know, that kind of step back three that he has is, is like untouchable. But do you think he travels on that? And there's been some criticism of it.
0: You think anybody travels in the NBA? Oh yeah, Hell no, yes, <laughs> hey, stupid question. All
1: right, let's do one more here. Okay, let's uh, let's get a Padre comment here, and uh, this is from El- Elna. And she says, try to sign Soto before the season starts. If Boris wants too much, keep Soto until the trade deadline. Let go of Hayter and Grisham. I suspect Snell will have a down year after he's paid. And then, quote, I've watched your sports show as a child, Hacksaw. I'm glad to see you online. Well, thanks for coming along for the ride on this as we've gone into new technology
0: here uh, on our live stream on my YouTube channel. Uh, Padres, tough call. Uh, based on the dollar situation that we keep hearing that this payroll's coming down to 200 mil, I would not give Soto <coughs> a contract extension right now. Do it again. Prove yourself again. See if you can lead us again and see if the rest of these guys come along and all have bounce-back seasons. But if they're going to pair this from 253 down to 200 million, there's going to be guys that are going to have to vacate uh, this roster, and I, w- I would assume that would be both Hayter and probably Blake Snell. My biggest concern is because you got, you got those two name pitchers who, <coughs> who are walk-free agents. you got three starters back end of the rotation, all have pricey options, and are you going to overpay to keep Waka? Are you going to overpay to keep Martinez? And if, if if the answer to those is no, then where are the arms coming from? I hate to say this, but we could get by to the winter baseball meetings in December, John, and we could have half a roster here. I mean, if guys leave, and how are you going to replace those guys if your payroll's coming down? So they're painted into a real tough corner with what they have and what they've given the Zanders and the Machados and Soto and Tatis and, to a degree, Cronenworth, they're in a real tough corner because they've committed significant money to those guys. And now now you're going to have to face the reality that maybe this year was the only year they had a legitimate chance to do it because I don't think you can go get stars to join these stars at affordable prices. I don't think guys are going to come here at discounts just to play with Manny and Soto and El Nino.
1: Well, if you go from two fifty three to $200 million a year, Soto has to be one of the guys you're going to trade because you you can't trade um, Machado or Bogarts or Tatis with those, you know, locked in long term deals. Soto will be dealt if they have to get down to 200. But I think this is just proving, you know, this whole strategy of buying top talent, you know, that's okay if you've got like two or three guys, you know, including pitchers that you buy. But the the bulk of your roster has to be coming up through your farm program. And I think that's where Preller made a mistake in not letting some of those guys in the farm system develop. I mean, we could have had, you know, C.J. Abrams. We could have had a lot of guys that would have been able to produce more than some of these veterans. At in, affordable prices. And at affordable prices, I yes. agree with you.
0: Hey, listen, we hope you have enjoyed our Thursday podcast. We're here every Thursday. We have a bonus podcast on Monday. We invite you to share. Tell everybody what we're doing give us a thumbs up i'll take the five star rating i need all the help i can get (laughs) check my website leehacksawhamilton.com it's all written you will really enjoy the depth of information john have yourself a great sports weekend we'll talk to you monday because then we're talking al nl championship series and we got nfl football and college football to talk about too
1: well we have an nfl game tonight right so who's playing you would ask me that. Can but you it's say Den- Kansas, is in Kansas the game, right? City and Denver? Yeah, yeah. So um, that might be on right now. So we got to check that game out tonight. Hey,
0: have yourself a great sports weekend. Brought to you by Dixon Line Lumber and Home Setter Stores. Nine locations to serve you in San Diego. Tell them Hacksaw sent you in. Have yourself a great sports weekend. Thanks for being with us on Hacksaw's Headlines. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. For more content, go to
1: lehacksawhamilton.com.